Habits are first cobwebs, then cables. Author unknown. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight, and engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hey, thank you for joining us on the Think Twice TV podcast. Today's episode is entitled Sick and Tired, Shattering Substance Abuse. With all addictions, we are either looking for something or running away from something. This quote really hits home. It's from an old Spanish saint, Domingo de Guzman, the founder of the Dominican Order. I kept on digging the hole deeper and deeper, looking for the treasure, until I finally lifted my head. I looked up and realized that I had dug my own grave. Today, we have really good stories that touch on this topic. Our first is Travis's story, Vicodin Was My God. My mom had me when she was only 18 years old. I can remember around age five or six that my parents and uncles, they were doing drugs right around me and always drinking, always. I can remember at a young age thinking, wow, they're having a lot of fun. And at the same time, I didn't like the changes that they appeared after they got buzzed. I was pretty neglected as a child. They were so focused on partying that they didn't even think much about, about me. My biological father left me forever at age seven, sending a crushing jolt to my heart. My mom remarried shortly after that. There were a lot of good things that my mom and stepdad taught me. They didn't lead by example, but, but they sure talked a good game. My first time drinking was way excessive. I didn't drink for a while after that because I gotten so sick from that experience. My first taste of weed wasn't too long after that. And then from then on, I was drinking and high on a regular basis. I blamed myself for my father leaving us. I felt abandoned, and this drove me into substance abuse. I was exposed to some Catholic religion. I was baptized Catholic, but it really didn't mean much to me. As a teen, about the only time my mom and I got along was when we were getting high together. I became a small-time drug dealer, selling just enough to keep my habits going. I was surviving on toast and eggs. Things were really looking down. For the most part of my youth, I was alone and homeless. I prayed from time to time, but not really knowing what I was doing. Somehow, I did end up graduating from high school. At age 19, I started working at an auto dealership. I was a really smooth talker and an actual salesman. I became so arrogant that I was getting high at work and calling in sick all the time. But because I was such a good salesman, they kept me around. Later on, my girlfriend and I decided we should get married. The first time we ever went to church was for premarital counseling. Then we started attending services and liked what we heard. I never stopped using though. When I finally discovered Vicodin, I felt like I found what I was looking for. A few years later, we dropped out of church and Sunday became just an empty day for me about getting high and as drunk as possible. I still performed well at work and I was promoted to general manager. My daily life would include getting up, drinking 40 ounces of beer, taking 40 milligrams of Vicodin, and snorting a line of Oxycontin, you know, synthetic heroin. And off to work I went. At work, the highs continued. I would get high in the bathrooms or buy some liquor, drive around, smoke cigarettes, and pop my pills. That's just what I did. I was really good at covering up my usage. My habits were surging out of control. If I didn't have Vicodin every five hours or so, I would have horrible withdrawals. The misery of opiate withdrawals is the worst thing I've ever experienced. I could no longer function and was doing 20 to 30 10 milligram pills of Vicodin a day and drinking on top of that. I was on non-stop drugs and drinks all the time, day and night. 
One morning I came into work and was shocked to see my district supervisor there. I reluctantly agreed to take a drug test. I tested positive and was fired. From there on I went on a huge drug rampage. Things were getting really, really bad. I was pawning everything. I even pawned my wedding ring for drug money. I knew we were gonna lose the house, so I figured I had six months of free rent and I drove into my addiction. We were really struggling and we ended up on welfare. One Saturday, drinking and high as usual, I saw our old pastor and his wife walking up to our house. I freaked out. The house was filthy, beer bottles were everywhere, and I didn't shave or shower in days. So I quickly met them in the driveway. To my surprise, they were just wanted to give us some food and tell us that they loved us. When I brought the food into the house and closed the door, I knew that was the first time that the Holy Spirit had been in my house in years. My wife and I, we just cried because of what we'd come. We hadn't been to the pastor's church in years. That night I prayed, poured out my heart to God. I was emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually bankrupt. I lost all control over my usage. My wife and kids were suffering, but I hated myself more than anything. That night I heard God speak to me and say, I will help you, but you need to get help. That night I responded and said, I'm gonna get help. The next day I was accepted into detox. The pastor came in and prayed with me for a quick recovery. We talked and we wept together. The pastor then told me that before he dropped off the groceries, that they prayed what was ever holding us down would leave and whatever needed to be revealed would be brought to the surface. That was the day before I had my revelation from God. I had no intention of changing my life. One miracle after another just kept happening. I started attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and realized just how much God send they are. God saved my life and I was clean for the first time in forever. When I got home, I still had plenty of problems. No job, home in foreclosure, a big hospital bill, but the real miracle was that God changed me. Even so, God showed me favor in the hospital bill. It was miraculously covered 100% by the hospital. Even more, I was completely healed of degenerative back issues, and I didn't even believe in miraculous healing. Still, we were getting close to having our home foreclosed. I was trusting God for a miracle. Right down to three hours before the sheriff was gonna come and kick us out, a man bought our home and land contracted it back to us. That's just God. There were so many times that God had just blessed us God is so faithful that he also helped us pay $20,000 of our debt. My life is so different now. People from my past don't even know me. To think I was so far from God, now to be where I am today, it's a miracle. The main thing that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit did for me is removing me from the bondage of myself. My mother and I had a beautiful reconciliation. I now know that when we give our sorrows, problems, and pain to him, he will get us through and heal our wounds. Today, I just want to give thanks and praise to Jesus Christ for everything he's done. 1 John 2.17, the world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. When I dance for joy in city streets, and abiding comfort is my
I still keep in touch with Travis and glad to say he's not relapsed back into his addiction. This is a man who's truly been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. The song that you heard at the end of that testimony was from a husband and wife musical team called Brad and Rebecca. The song is entitled Overcome. A little more about Brad and Rebecca. Uh, Brad says, Our goal was to write songs that were congregational in nature and fun to sing, in the sense that you can easily engage with them while still maintaining some deep theological truth. Brad and Rebecca Music.com. Check the show notes for links. Our next story is from Clemmy. I met him online and we built a friendship when he moved to Michigan. Clemmy is one of those genuine guys that just loves people, but he wasn't always that way. Let's listen to Clemmy's story. I'm actually from Malaysia and uh, I moved here back in 1999 and uh, in my mind I'm like you know I have this impression that you know there's so much opportunities here and uh, since my brother and my sister was here I wanted to get to know them more so I decided to move out here and uh, little did I know that um, it was one of the hardest things that I actually had to face you know the just the change, um, I mean, with everything, culture, even the way we socialize, and with people. At that time, I just kind of started looking for people to connect with, and I just was so naive, and I just kind of ran into these people that uh, live in the area, and I kind of got caught up with, you know, their life and uh, what they were doing. I was, you know, I had no idea that the drugs and all that stuff, you know, that life, uh, what, it, what, what those things were, you know, that's how naive I was. And when they introduced me to the drugs, I was like, oh, what? I was like, I was curious. I was like, is this how people socialize here? So I'm like, I'm just going to give it a try, you know, thinking it's like I wanted to get to know them because they, they just kind of embraced me for who I was. And um, there was an opportunity that I had, you know, with school that my family was helping me out with, but I kind of blew it because of the choices, you know, that those choices that I made, and it kind of brought me down a very destructive path. And uh, during that process, there was actually um, people, you know, Christian people that actually were in the picture that I didn't really saw in the beginning but they were actually in my life because of the college I was going to and they kind of embraced me too and they knew how I was living my life but they never judged me I just remember every summer they always asked me to come home to their family because they know that I'm, I'm usually stuck there by myself so they're like just come home with us you know I didn't realize like during that time how their their influence or their their reaching out to me could have made such an impact um, because if it weren't for them I wouldn't be here today I felt so stuck I felt so desperate and I just remembered um, I started to pray on the inside no one taught me how to pray, but I just started to pray. And I just remember pleading with God, you know, I just, I want to get out of this. I don't know how, I just feel like if I don't get out of this situation, I can, I'm going to die. And uh, I just remember this family that I told you that, um, that came into my life, this Christian family, they actually called me three years, 
I haven't heard from them for three years. They called me one day and they're like, Clement, we want to come see you. I'm like, out of the blue. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah. And so I, they came and they saw the way I was. They came straight up to me. They're like, um, we really want to, uh, we want you to move back with us, back to Michigan. And um, we want to help you get back on, on your feet. And that's what they said. And um, all I just, I just remember, I just know deep down that was, that was it. That was the prayer. And I knew I, I just did not hesitate. I said, yes, I'm coming. There was no, like, I just knew that was it. That was, that was the moment where I just, I, I could not refuse it, you know? It's been awesome, like moving back to Michigan. And if I never took that step, I would still have been stuck in that situation I was living in. Even though at that time, I did not know who God was, but I just remember praying to Him. And I just remembered that He heard me. Clemmy is also an amazing artist. His work ranges from intricate pen drawings to expansive murals. We've posted some of his work on our site at thinktwicetv.com backslash Clemmy, or find the link in the show notes. There's an old saying, opportunity may knock only once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. If you or someone you know is struggling with substance abuse or other addictions, stop by our site at thinktwicetv.com backslash breaking addictions. We have lots of resources you can download and share or look for the link in the show notes. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's time for the absolute basics of the Christian faith from Seedbed.com. Answering those burning questions like who is God, what is salvation, and many more. So, let's take a bite. The absolute basics of the Christian faith. Who is the Holy Spirit? In the first chapter, we talked about the Trinity. The Trinity is the most important idea in understanding who God is. Father's the source, the Son is the way, the Spirit's the power. We see this role of the Spirit played out all throughout the role of Scripture. The Spirit is the breath of life breathed into humans in Genesis 2. The Spirit is the power by which the Son is born of the Virgin Mary, as taught by Matthew 1 and Luke 1. The Spirit is the power that fills the early church to spread the good news of Jesus in Acts 2. And the Spirit breathe life into the writers of Scripture so they can teach and guide us, as it says in 2 Timothy 3 and 2 Peter 1. One of the ways that Christians have described the role of the Spirit is as the giver of life. The Spirit is the power of God to bring life to the world and to us. But as important as the Holy Spirit is, we often forget to think about the Spirit. This is because the work of the Spirit is often behind the scenes, and so he sometimes goes unnoticed. In this way, the Spirit's a bit like a sound technician at a concert. When we go to a concert, our focus is toward the front of the stage, where the musicians are. Rarely do we turn around and notice the sound guys back there, making sure everything sounds perfect. Like a sound guy, the Spirit's work is utterly important, but often invisible. It makes sense, then, that one image used all throughout Scripture to describe the Spirit is air, or breath. Air is all around us, but it's invisible. It gives us life at every second, but we forget that it's there. Invisible life-giving and powerful. That's the Holy Spirit.
the absolute basics of the Christian faith from Seedbed.com. We want to thank Dr. Philip Talon and the guys over at Seedbed.com. On audio, they are very descriptive, but they're even more amazing to see on video format. Uh, what they do is they have a book opened where they have um, an artist rendering these drawings and animating them to what is being told over the audio. And these are perfect for you know Bible study group, small group. So go to Seedbed.com backslash confirmation. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. Everything we are and all we do should be an act of saying to our Lord, I love you, I serve you, I honor you, I worship you, you are worthy. If we wanted other names for worship, we would use words like obedience and service, and faith, and faithfulness. For those are the words that describe the worship of Abraham. Last Sunday we noted that genuine worship is costly. Talked about the fact that God was testing Abraham by saying, offer your your son, your only son whom you love, and we discover that it costs all that we are and all that we have. Today I want us to note that worship like obedience deserves promptness. I struggle with a problem. I am ever planning to start my diet tomorrow. One of my life philosophies is never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. I'm like I identify with a little girl who said this. I cannot go to school today said little Peggy Ann McKay. I have the measles and the mumps, a gash, a rash, and purple bumps. My mouth is wet, my throat is dry, I'm going blind in my right eye. My tonsils are as big as rocks. I've counted 16 chicken pox, and what, there's 17. And don't you think my face looks green? My leg is cut, my eyes are blue, it might be instamatic flu. I cough and sneeze and gasp and choke. I'm sure that my left leg is broke. My hip hurts when I move my chin. My belly button's caving in. My back is wrenched. My ankle sprain. My appendix pains each time it rains. My nose is cold. My toes are numb. I have a sliver in my thumb. My neck is stiff. My spine is weak. I hardly whisper when I speak. My tongue is filling up my mouth. I think my hair is falling out. My elbow's bent. My spine ain't straight. My temperature is 108. My brain is shrunk. I cannot hear. There is a hole inside my ear. I have a hangnail and my heart is, what? What's that? What's that you say? You say today is Saturday? Goodbye. I'm going out to play. But worship like obedience, deserves promptness. Worship is a matter of priority. I think it's absolutely amazing that when God said to Abraham in verse 2, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, 
Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Verse 3 says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled the donkey, took the two servants, son Isaac, cuts the wood for the burnt offering, sets out for the place God had told him about. Look at those words I emphasized, early the next morning. I confess as well, I'm not a morning person. I don't like mornings. My philosophy is if God wanted us to see the sunrise, he'd have scheduled it later in the day. I'm a lark, not whatever the other bird is. I don't know about those birds that are up in the morning. Have you ever noticed that people who get up early like to brag about it? I thought I'd just brag about not being a morning person this morning. But the scripture says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and started out. Now, I don't think, I hope and pray that the scripture is not teaching it's more godly to rise early. But it does say something to us about Abraham's attitude about what he knew God wanted him to do. I think it's phenomenal that Abraham didn't procrastinate. He didn't put it off. He didn't wait for a more convenient time. God spoke, and as soon as God spoke, Abraham immediately responded. He rose early. He started out. There was no delay. It was a matter of priority. You know, that's what God God calls each of us to do that. And that produces fear. There's something in each of us that cries for safety. We want to be in balance. We want security. We want predictability. We want to know exactly how everything is going to work out. The fancy term is homeostasis. Homeostasis. We want things to be in order, to be in balance. And when God tries to move us outside of our comfort zone, we experience fear distressed. We feel overwhelmed. I sense how inadequate I really am. Moses experienced that. So did Joshua. In fact, that's why God said to Joshua, don't be afraid. He was scared to death. In fact, 366 times in the Bible, God says, fear not. One for every day of the year, including leap year. And any time we want to really worship, whenever we truly want to do more for God, we will face fear. And if we are afraid of fear, if we allow it to paralyze us, we will never know the power of God because His miraculous power dwells outside of our comfort zones. God's power lives where I can't, not where I can. If I can do it, I don't need God. That's why so many of us don't experience more of the miraculous. We, we too often want to stay in the realm where we know exactly how to do it and how it's going to work out. We don't need God when we're operating in the flesh. The men and women God uses are willing to pay the price of facing their fears, leaving their comfort zones, and depending on God to provide the miraculous. Our next episode is entitled, Leaving the Lifestyle. It will feature Peter's story, People Can Change, and Julio's story from brothersroad.org. Learn the basics of the faith. 
Download our free mini book. It includes the ABCs with God, True and False with the Bible, and much more. To get the mini book free, go to thinktwicetv.com and click on mini book or contact us with your mailing address and we'll mail you a copy. While all our stories are true, some of them have been read by voice actors. This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association. Revealing the love and power of God through media. www.mediamessengers.org If you like the show, follow us on social media and please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes.